Rachel Dalton, and you may know me from the All Ports Open show, No Avatars Allowed. And I would like to introduce my co-host. Yeah, I am Anna Lovelace. So I am a licensed clinical social worker. I work as a therapist, and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and uh, I'm so we've been talking about doing this for months, um, and it just seems like, hey, we're millennials, and it's quarantine. Like, why not start a podcast? So... Here we are. Um, So we have some really interesting things to talk about today um, regarding the taboo of sex and why people don't like talking about it, where that comes from, and why we kind of want to break that taboo. Um, But like, yeah, like first let's like talk about like how we came to be here. I I know I can speak for myself that um, I was part of this women's group a few years back uh, and I made some offhand comment. in one of the forums about how I sent my ex-boyfriend to the hospital because of a blowjob, um, a sex headache, which is known as coital cephalgia, I later found out. And um, then all of a sudden, all these girls started reaching out to me wanting to talk about sex. And it became very clear to me very quickly that a lot of people don't have a safe space to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there were people from different areas of the world, different areas where, you know, women's pleasure is even less. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it, there's just less of an emphasis um, on it, even less yeah, so here. Less talked about. Yeah. So um, I just I from there, I just kind of realized like, oh, it's we need to talk about this. Like people need there needs to be an open place to talk about it. And, um, you know, I, I was really interested in getting someone with a more uh, official background than just, you know, liking sex and liking to talk about it. Uh, So I reached out to you. Yeah, which was awesome because, so for me, I mean, I want to say that I saw the exact same thing, but with my clients, right? It's people who are coming in and, you know, sex is a huge part of relationships and sex is a huge part of, of life in general. And the fact that clients really struggle to talk about it period without me having to be like hey it's okay for you to talk to me about sex like this is an okay thing that we can like that I can give you therapy about so I think people yeah are kind of terrified to talk about it and even in the like privacy and you know it's not going anywhere because I'm a therapist people are still super fearful to even you know, say the words or, or talk about it in general. So yeah, when you asked me to do this, I was super excited um, just because I think it's incredibly necessary and, you know, to have some some people talking about sex and different types of sex and what that can look like, I think, well, I hope will kind of help other people be more comfortable with it. Yeah, that's my goal as well. I just... Um... You know, Josh asked me when we were getting this started, like, well, what, what's your goal here? And I'm like, I just want people to have better sex, have more sex, have better sex. Right. And you were talking about how, like, you have issues talking with your um, – not issues, but, you know, you have some trouble coaxing your clients to be comfortable <laughs> talking about it. And a lot of people can't even talk to their partners about these things. Right. Uh, which I find I, – I've had those issues before, too. Like, don't get me wrong. But, like mm-hmm. – isn't the person that you're doing it with the person you should be talking to? That's like the hardest. <laughs> that's the hardest bit I feel like for most people because it's like so vulnerable. And I think there's like a lot of fear around if I tell them what they want, am I asking for too much? Or am I ashamed of the thing I'm asking for? Am I scared? Like, I think it's honestly easier with a full stranger than someone you have to see every day because I because of how sex is like given to us particularly in America it's this like shameful thing it's this thing that we're not supposed to talk about and like especially with the people who are close to us what if we say something and they don't like it like there's just so much more risk involved I think yeah I think that's a good point it's um I it's funny you know you say it's it's easier with a stranger I have uh, full disclosure, I'm so much of a re- relationship person that uh, that I, I my experience with strangers is less, but that's been my experience. Um, let's just you're you're going out and you're like, screw it. Like, I'm probably never going to see this person again. I might as well ask for that thing that I've always wanted. 
Yeah. Well, fully. I'm, I, in truth, meant it like a stranger as in a therapist. But yeah, I kind of agree. Oh, of like, yeah. I've got nothing. Well, I'm just airing my dirty <laughs> laundry. Yeah. <laughs> but really, I do think it's the, the kind of same, like, I've got nothing to lose here. I'm probably never going to see this person again. So yeah, why the hell not? Yeah, I think that's true. And I mean, I kind of want to talk about, you know, the, our subject today, we figured for uh, a podcast that's going to be about dating, relationships, sex, you know, um, kind of the, the title, Wine Dine 69, which uh, fun- funnily enough, uh, <laughs> I like hate 69ing. So I think it's funny that that's in yeah. the name of our podcast because I just can't concentrate. Um, right. But uh, that's just more dirty laundry. Uh, but <laughs> but we're going to be talking about the taboo of sex because that's what got us both into this, right? Like, I grew up with uh, parents who were very encouraging um, to be open and honest. And my mom encouraged us to masturbate. Uh, thanks, Ma. From like a very, uh, you know, normal at a very normal time. Um, and it's like a lot of people don't have that, though. And I had friends who wanted to talk about this stuff. And where where does that come from? I mean, I think we can go lots of directions here. We can talk about like religious upbringing. Um, we can talk about shame. Like where, where do you want to start with this? Whew. Man, I mean, I, I would say that and maybe this is controversial, but I would say that shame and religion are kind of connected in the realm of sex. Um, but, you know, Honestly, I don't think it's a bad place to start to talk about our own upbringing because I think it will get to those those points for sure. Because um, I'm pretty comfortable talking about. It. So I'm so I'm queer. I'm I'm an out and practicing therapist. Um, and although my mom was incredibly like sex positive, which yeah, like you said, a blessing and like uh, you know incredibly grateful for that. I never got any education around LGBTQ. Right. Mm-hmm. So not in school, not from my my mom, uh, not from anyone, just because in Florida, the sex ed is by no means comprehensive. Yeah. In Michigan, too, which is where I'm soul. from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, I think maybe should we start with like what's happening in school? That's a great or... idea. OK. So for me. In Florida, which, you know, I guess you want to say is technically speaking a red state, but when I was growing up, and maybe it is, you know, different now, when I was growing up, there was no mention of, yeah, LGBTQ identities in regards to sexual health, and it was fully, fully an abstinence-based program. There was no, like, like, let's talk about sex and pleasure and sex positivity. It was very much of, like, abstinence-only mm-hmm. Um and if you are not going to do that, I guess we're going to tell you about some contraceptives. Yeah. <laughs> like, but they, it almost felt like, you know, someone, I don't know who it was, was like forcing their hand. It was like, you should not have sex for like, you know, 45 minutes of the conversation. And then the last 10 minutes was, okay, but here are these like five contraceptives just in case you right. think about having sex. <laughs> like an afterthought. Yeah, that's a... Uh extremely troubling (laughs) I would say yeah yeah, I think my experience was relatively similar uh so I'm I'm 30 so I um was in college in the or not I'm sorry I was in high school in the uh early 2000s early to mid 2000s um and I our sex ed curriculum was part of our health class and it was just very clear that it was going through the motions um there was no like talking about pleasure. Uh, there was, I'll never forget, they had a police officer come in when they wanted to talk about rape. And what they said was, if you rape someone, here are the penalty- penalties that you will face. Oh, not okay. don't rape because like it's not a good thing to do because that person is a human being with feelings and their own autonomy. But if you rape somebody, right. this is what will happen to you. So don't do it. And, you know, a lot of people think about – I'm sure we're going to talk about this as we go along, but a lot of people think about rape as like a a Brock Turner situation, Um, shout out, where like you're attacking some – it's a stranger attacking somebody in in an alleyway or something like that. And that's just not how it usually goes down. Um, So that was troubling. After I graduated, when my younger brother was in high school, my high school actually went viral on Twitter. 
because of their sex ed program. Um, In a good way? No, no, (laughs) not a good way. Um, So my brother was in health class at the time, and they apparently that had changed from when I did it. They were bringing in a special group of people that um, were trained to give sex education, but like they were related to a church. Um, uh. So it was the same thing you're talking about, abstinence-only education. And to be clear, to be clear, the only way that like if you are if you are a straight couple, let's say, I mean, it, it's going to go other ways for different types of people, depending on who your partner is, depending on where you're at. But in the way that they're talking about in schools, because as you said, straight is the way that the prism that everything is looked at through. To be clear, abstinence is the only foolproof way to avoid STIs, and it is the only foolproof way to avoid pregnancy. But you should engage in abstinence because you want to and because it is your choice, not because it is something that is thrust upon you or because you think it is the only choice. So um, anyway, my school ended up going viral because of this. Um, A famous author, I guess, sat in on her son's health class and decided to live tweet the entire thing. And it did not go well. Um, I'll have to to see if I can like pull up the tweet thread and like put in the episode notes or something. Um, But yeah, so that was not great, um, needless to say. And hopefully, you know, my high school has revamped their what process was the, what was the kind of vibe like you know if, if you will a short synopsis <laughs> well she specifically was and she, i think she even jumped in at various points too like are you going to talk about like how many nerve endings are in the okay. clitoris <laughs> you know like are, are we not going to yeah, talk right. about that because like it's a lot and like it's it feels really good um but yeah I, it, there was just a lot of focus on the mechanics and not on the yeah. pleasure I believe. Yeah. Um, but again, it's been a few years since this occurred, so I'll, I'll have to go back and take a look at that. Yeah. But uh, wh- why do we why do we think that – first off, why are schools responsible for teaching mm-hmm. us this? And why do we think that they take this tactic? Honestly, when I think about it, it it's hard because I really don't know if I have the right answer. Um, but I think it's – so everybody gets the same education on it. Um and mm. even, even it's if it's bad, bad yeah, even if it's bad, it's mm-hmm. at least c- consistently bad. But I also think it's because, honestly, there's a part of me that believes that, like, it's just hard for a lot of people to talk about that, um, you know, with their kids, with themselves, you know. And I think it's kind of like, I mean, I think I don't have anything against it being in schools. I think it is curriculum that needs to be kind of taught but I think it needs to be taught in a different way and I do think there needs to be like this multifaceted approach where we get to talk about different identities and genders and healthy relationships and unhealthy relationships yeah it just needs to be so much more comprehensive and not just I mean it could be an entire semester right right And, and not just like an hour um for like one a week you know each day and they're like this is your uterus like it's great science mm-hmm. is great and also we love science right, right, right. here. science is great and also can we please talk a little bit more about like healthy relationships and healthy relationships with their body and and gender and identity like um you know just all different types of things that i think really could be included i don't think are included and i do think that there is this sort of like morality thing that's happening and that's why it's not happening in, in, in schools in the right in, in my opinion yeah. in the right way you know I'm using air quotes you can't see me but <laughs> yeah yeah and I mean that kind of goes like you know funnels right into like the church conversation um I mean I, I'm not I'm, I'm what you would call a uh, spiritual <laughs> Um, but I, I don't particularly believe in organized religion. Um, uh, but I, I still was raised in a pretty liberal church. Um, but I, I know that there were lots of people. I, I have friends, you know, I, I have people in my life who uh, were raised in a very religious household, were raised in very religious schooling. Like they, they either went to like a religious school or they were homeschooled. And 
they found they found out about it from porn. Oof. They found out about it like later on in life because nobody bothered to teach them about it. And that's a that's a, a no bueno. Um, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> I, I yeah I can't, I can't even imagine um, what it what it's like to to grow up and like a not have that open dialogue with like your family um, or with people that like you know you trust and hold close. Um, yeah. Well. I guess I can I can like speak from so mine isn't necessarily religious personally um but I have friends and I have clients and when we're talking about like LGBTQ identities um I think that has a really intense space in religion depending on you know depending on your church or synagogue you know whatever religion you are um right. I think there are a lot of messages that I have heard personally and I have also seen my friends and clients deal with that, you know, this, these identities are, are awful. Like you're going to hell. It's not right. Mm-hmm. Um, who you are as a person is like not okay. Um, and I honestly, yeah. you know, because my practice right now is mostly LGBTQ clients, which I adore. Um, I see a lot of, internalized homophobia because of what they're given from their religion when they're growing up all right so either see this like escaping from this but still having those kind of internal internal shame or kind of still Mm -hmm. trying to reconcile like i you know i love this community i love being part of this and i don't understand the messages that are being given to me by a community that also loves me which is incredibly confusing (laughs) Yeah, so much hatred coming from, you know, I mean, as kids, we, you know, in church saying Jesus loves me. And that's that's been a, a very difficult thing for me to see as well, just to to see so much hatred coming from. I mean, this doesn't just uh, this doesn't just have to do with uh, people, people's sexual identity. It also has to do with people's skin color, you know, people's um gender identity yeah. you know it, it comes so, from all yeah, over literally it could be sexual preference it could be it could literally be mm-hmm. about like kink like there are things that are immoral right that we're told that aren't right so anytime we either exist do something you know there's so much shame yeah yeah that's uh I just I think about some of I'm thinking about right now about some of my friends who I I know grew up like that and I just uh I'm feeling so much um empathy. Yeah. Like you know, with just putting trying to put myself in that position and imagining what how how would I be now if I you know uh didn't start furiously masturbating at age 3 and was encouraged to do so, right. you know. So um it's it's really tough. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think shame is in a general sense like an ex- an extremely powerful feeling that humans feel that keep us stuck in negative cycles uh and keep us feeling negative about ourselves. Um and I th- and, and honestly it's it's pretty difficult when you know I'll say particularly in America like it's still this shameful thing. And Mm-hmm. That is super unfortunate because even if we're, let's say, even if we're in therapy and we're in sex therapy and we're getting these messages like these parts of you are okay, this is okay to want this, you know, it's okay to ask for this, even if we're getting it on an individual basis from a therapist or from our partner, there are all these bigger <laughs> messages mm-hmm. being kind of screamed at us that, you know, even if you're working through this, I still don't think it's okay. So... We've talked about how we'd like to do like an entire like series on shame just because I feel like there's so much right. to unpack there. Um, but how I just out of curiosity and because I think it would be really interesting for people to hear, how do you generally when you when you have a client who comes in and um, is dealing with a lot of shame regarding, you know, either their sexual identity or um, their preference or even just their, you know, whatever their kink might be. How do you generally try to attack that? Do you, I mean, I know that therapy is uh, right. fluid and so I, I don't expect <laughs> that you like have like a template of how you approach it, of course, but, but how do you generally handle well, that? Honestly, it, 
It depends. Yeah. Like you said, there's no template. So it really depends on where the client or the person is, is starting, right? Like if it is even difficult to say like words related to sex or even difficult to say, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm use the language around, Hey, I might be trans. Like I honestly just start with getting to the place where I'm comfortable even saying these words or even identifying in this way. And sometimes honestly, I'll be in a session and I'll, and I'll recognize it that, okay, if I want to identify in this way or I want to come out, sometimes it has nothing to do with that. And sometimes we have to fully work on the messages we've been given, you know, or we have to work on self-confidence or we have to work on literally like (laughs) just being a person who loves ourselves. because until that point we can't really face the pieces of like who we are um until we accept it for ourselves and then we can kind of go to the place of i'm telling I, i can tell other people this i can communicate this i can i can like proudly be this thing um but yeah it takes a lot of work with shame um and it's it's an incredible amount of validation and you know sometimes years of therapy to get to a place um yeah but yeah there's no real I I wish I had like a better (laughs) guide map but it it and it really depends because I think it comes out everywhere shame not just in like sexual relationships oh absolutely Um, yeah I think um you know on a personal note like for me that's where a lot of my my shame comes from. Um, and, and so I, I have my experiences with that and it's really hard work to overcome. Um, you know, my, most of my twenties has been about overcoming the shame and like learning to be unapologetically who I am both, you know, in and out of the bedroom. Um, that's really hard. And it's, it's hard too, because the things that bring on shame are other people, but healing from shame is such an inner right. process. You know, it's not, even if you go to therapy, you know, the, the therapist can give you right. tools, but it's, it's really tough work. And, um, it, it involves a lot of pain and a lot of confronting things that you don't want to confront. Um, therapy in general. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's uh, the whole story. <laughs> Confronting things you don't really yeah, want to like that's, <laughs> Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, but but I think uh, I mean because a lot of my therapy background has been in dealing with you know um, shame. I think that uh, I, I definitely equate that with with therapies. Yeah. Therapy is dealing with shame, <laughs> dealing with those feelings. Yeah, um, yeah I think too. I'm trying to think about like what advice I would give to somebody who is because I I do give advice. Um, frequently, my friends would say unsolicited, <laughs> but uh, but a lot of the time, you know, I actually considered being a therapist. Um, as recently as like two yeah. years ago, um, I've always been that person that that people come to for advice about. You know, I wasn't even having sex when I was. 19 but because I was so willing to talk about it my friends who were would come talk to me about it um and that's kind of always been like my story and and what I've been interested in and so I'm trying to think about like what advice one might give to somebody who is experiencing shame um you know some advice that I've given I mean I'm thinking specifically around sex here because that's kind of um I guess where the taboos that I deal with the most um, right. are. I have a lot of friends who are women who are very much not comfortable in their, I guess, sexual skin. Um, and uh, my advice, you know, always, always my advice is go to therapy. Yeah. Um, I, always. That's what I will say. Uh, but also I think it is so important, you know, if you're dealing with shame in a sexual way, is to get in touch with yourself. Yeah. Um, like get get rid of all the other voices. I mean, get in, get in touch with yourself, like mentally, but also physically. Like you know, light those candles and like just set aside an evening, have a couple glasses of wine, and like have at it. Um, yeah, it's my favorite way to spend a Friday night. Um, but but no, I, I seriously, I think that 
shame is oppressive and it's it's you in the center and all of these forces, all of these voices coming at you. And so the best thing that you can do is to, to combat shame, in my experience, has been to completely cut myself off from those voices and to turn inward instead. Yeah. I mean what 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 would you say about that? Yeah, I mean, so I would say like everybody has their way. Um, everyone has their way of dealing with shame. Um, and the I, honestly, when I when I think of shame, I do think of like sex at times. But with my clients, I see it so much in addiction. So that's like the thing mm-hmm. that like rings for me. But gosh, yeah, about, yeah, yeah. When I talk about shame, it's very much a question of how has this served you? You know, how has this, <laughs> yeah, how has this emotion worked for you? Um, and, and what does it bring you? Because honestly, most of the time the clients will sit there and be like, yeah, yeah, nothing. Like what it uh-huh. brings me is me feeling bad. So I don't do the thing that brings me shame and I avoid it and the shame grows or I do the thing that makes me feel ashamed and then I feel worse and worse every time I do it, right? So it's a cycle. Shame to me, I always think of it as 100% as a cycle. And until we can kind of just stop for a moment and look at this is not, you know, this is not because I, I am based in dialectical behavioral therapy. It's, it's looking at like what's effective and what's not effective in our lives. So it's looking at shame as like this thing that's not effective. So how do we sit with it, recognize, okay, this feeling is coming up for me. And then what do I need to say to myself or what do I need to do to kind of move past this? Or, you know, where are these messages coming from? And can, can we really parse out the rules I've given myself around this that have made me feel shame, right? Because we tell ourselves these things all the time of like, this is wrong. And the question is, why? you know, why is it wrong? Who told you it was wrong? Right? This was Mm -hmm. a message that was fed to you. This is not something that you feel organically as a baby, right? We have to look at, you know, these thoughts that I have in my head, a lot of times aren't ours, you know? And so it's looking like, okay, how do I recognize that? And how do I start to form an opinion about these things that feels more, you know, suitable and effective and, and kinder, to yourself because shame is just an you know it's an act in self harm um and it's finding a way i really <laughs> yeah. like that and it's finding a way to like kind of conceptualize it like that and look at you know we wouldn't shame our friends for this we wouldn't shame the people we're closest to for this we wouldn't talk the way we're talking to ourselves yep. someone else so why do we why do we think it's okay to do it to ourselves and and really you know, is this effective? Yeah. And I think, I mean, surrounding shame, but also so many, I mean, negative self-talk. I mean, this goes outside of everything. I I think that's a really good lesson is this idea of, like you said, you wouldn't talk to your best friend like this. Why are you talking to you like this? So I I think that's an incredibly important thing that I still am trying to remind myself um, constantly. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, as we're human and um, I am ridiculously hard on myself. Right. And I think it's interesting, too, like thinking about shame and like thinking about like, you know, our subject of the taboo of sex. Shame is such a negative thing that can come mm-hmm. if we don't talk about these things. Oh, yeah. And it's it also stifles us when we actually go to have sex or we or we set up a night for ourselves like shame is the thing that's going to stop us from being able to be present, right? Like there are so many times where there, what, I mean, performance anxiety, shame, like whatever it may be, there are things that take us Mm -hmm. out of the moment. So we learn that, okay, sex is something that causes me so much stress when in reality it should be something, you know, positive and enjoyable. I mean, and I think that comes with the caveat of like, I'm not even, or not even, I've not even begun to talk about, trauma but that that changes sex completely and that changes uh even just feeling and being with yourself completely so barring that yeah yeah. barring that i mean sex should be this thing that feels positive and should be this thing that that you can 
choose to have or not have, you know, and whether you choose to have it or not, it's like, okay, I can still talk about it. I can, I can still enjoy it. I can still understand it. And there's not this shame involved. Yeah, I think um, I I couldn't have said any of that better myself. <laughs> you should do this for a living. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think it, I I mean like I think it's it's interesting too to like listen to you talk about you know these things because I I feel like uh, when we've talked about this before it, it's less of a I don't know it, it feels like less formal and like now it's like oh like. This is like, yeah, this is like what my therapist has told me. Um, so I I uh, stand by everything that you have said um, 100%. Yeah, they're like, the, you know, as a therapist, there are like different branches. So there will, I mean, I'm sure there will be times during this podcast where it's like Anna, the therapist, and then it'll blur the lines between my experience and my therapist's sure. experience. But yeah, like these are things that we all feel, including myself, like shame is not, you know, foreign to anyone. But I do think like, it is, (laughs) it is super intense. And it is the thing that I think we're going to probably combat the entire, the entire podcast, (laughs) like just being able to talk about and, and have people listen to us even speaking about sex freely is like, you know, to some is like, even offensive, you know, like, I, I can't believe people are doing that. Yeah, I have, de- I, uh, have definitely had those conversations mm-hmm. before too. Um, and that's, that's tough. Cause you, you want to be able to like change the person's mind, but once they kind of start to see where you, where you are, uh, they kind of just don't want to hear it. Yeah. Well, I think it's gotta, we, we all like, we all have to toe the line between, respecting culture and also being able to spread information um mm-hmm. you know so it's, it's kind of like both and right for me as a therapist like I I'm never being like you have to talk about sex we have to do it like I'm forcing you to do this like no the people who come to me who want to talk about sex or like you know are struggling to talk about it but want to that's who I'm helping through that moment you know I'm never the person who's like forcing sex positivity or like these conversations on people because that's not my place like as a person as a therapist yeah it's um and I think too I mean as you know an advice giver in my friendships I'm I'm very lucky um that my friends trust me enough to come to me you know um when they're dealing with some sort of I don't know, um, situation, you know, uh, whether it be with a partner or solo. And in fact, like, I love talking about solo stuff because that's where a lot of my shame, you know, comes from. And um, I'm like, I overcame it and like, I love it. And so I want, like, if you want help, like, I will help you. Um, You know, I think I actually uh, spent like two hours researching sex toys for one, a friend once who wanted to learn how to have a clitoral orgasm. Amazing. Like I'm like I'm like, I will help yeah. you. <laughs> you're like ten pages of like it you you got everything laminated and it's in a binder and you're like, here are your options. Yeah, yeah. And then of course, like, you know, she called me once it happened and I was just like, Yes. <laughs> Felt like it was my birthday. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, and I think that's that's what we're here to do, right? Like there are plenty of podcasts out there that are like relationship sex podcasts podcasts and i think that they a lot of them are hosted by comedians you know they they skew towards the comedy and um you know both you and i are very funny people um (laughs) and you know there there will be laughs but uh i also think i want i I want us to be able to come at this from a place of creating a really welcoming environment you know we want to encourage people to write in if they have questions um and uh you know, we're hoping to have some interviews on here because uh, we also want to continue learning. Um, I, I I personally, you know, want to be open to new types of people, types of personalities. Um, you know, I, I'd love to learn about some kinks that I know very little about. Yeah. Um, so I I want to learn just as just as much as I want to help people learn. Yeah. 
I fully agree. I mean, um, I know we like talked about this before we started it, but yeah, I mean, we want to kind of be intersectional. We want to raise voices that aren't heard. Like that is part of actively what we want to do here. And we want to have these perspectives that are different than, you know, what we are of like cis white women, you know, cool. I'm mm-hmm. queer, but also there are so many other <laughs> There are so many other minorities and things going on that we want to have you guys hear from and learn from as well as we want to learn from them ourselves. Exactly. Yeah, I think um, I think we're off to a good start just by, you know, this episode is about the taboo of sex and I feel like we've already delved into uh, we've talked about where that comes from and education, how religion plays into it. You know, we've talked about how it can lead to shame. Um, and there's been advice. So like, hey, like job well done on us, I guess. We solved all the world's problems. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, like uh, seriously, I I think that this is going to be a really fun experiment. And I'm um, interested to see what people have to say along the way. Yeah. Big time. I mean, yeah, for sure. I want to hear of like what people are actually dealing with outside of here. Cause you know, I do have the perspective of like what my clients kind of go through uh, and you know, what I go through as a human being as well. Um, but like to hear from other people and other perspectives would be absolutely like amazing. And hopefully we can get to the point where we can like help as a community to like give I, uh, for me, I don't, I can't give advice, <laughs> um, but to give like <laughs> maybe some insights or to, to like have another way to reframe it or think about it. Cause that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, uh, I was on the phone with uh, my best friend yesterday and sometimes you can be so confused about something and all it takes is someone saying it in a way you can know it deep down inside, right. but all it takes is having somebody say it in a different way or like put like different words together. Or, you know, for me, usually when somebody like gives me a metaphor, that's when like it clicks in me and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like that totally makes right. sense. So um, hopefully we can encourage different types of thinking. Right. Um, that's like the, that's the idea. As we go yeah. along. <laughs> so do you want to talk about um... – I guess I, I want to say like even the, the the further level of shame of like shame and asking for things or, mm, or I would love or, like, to talk. The, yeah. About or that. like the taboo about like talking about it with your partner. Would love to talk okay. about it. Let's talk <laughs> about it. Yeah. So for me, I think that this is incredibly difficult. Like I said at the beginning of like, you know, at it's not even easy to say it to a therapist who is a stranger who can't tell anyone. Uh, so I can't, you know, I can imagine cause I've dealt with it of a, like this sort of bravery it takes to ask for what you truly want from someone you're afraid to lose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that, so I have a partner. Um, I've been with this person for almost three years. uh, And before this partner, I had a difficult time doing those things. I think that, like I kind of, like, you know, said earlier, a stranger, somebody that you, like, you know, meet on a dating app and you just have a thing with and what's done is done. You're never going right. to see them again. There, There's less risk involved because you're not emotionally. Um, yeah. I was going to use uh, the popular buzzword right now, entangled, mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> to stay relevant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it can be incredibly difficult. I know that for me, what I've just started doing is – as I get older, like I just, I refuse to apologize for who I am and what I want. Now, if I hurt somebody's feelings or like I, you know, I, I, I'm not perfect. I don't know everything, but I do know who I am and I do know what I want. And I just have started kind of going into situations being the most, the most version of myself. Yeah. 
And if people don't like it, you know, then then that's fine. I'm not their their cup of tea. Um, but what I mean, what 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 advice would you give to a, a client on this? Well, I'd say the way you're talking about it is you're you're confident. Like that's what it takes sometimes to be able to ask for what you need of like, okay, I'm gonna ask for this thing. And even if they don't like it or don't want to do it or they leave me, I will still be okay alone. Which I think mm-hmm. is uh incredibly difficult for people incredibly difficult for everyone for no matter the age for the rest of our lives i think there's that fear of being alone um it's like but i'll have to start over i'll have to start dating again you know i'll I'll, i definitely went through that um i i moved to philly with a partner uh six years ago and the relationship was not good neither of us were happy um we didn't have sex for like months at a time um, you know, and it, I still resisted when it ended. I still didn't want it to end mm-hmm. um, just because this thought of having to start over again or like not having a built in person. It's a terrifying thing to oh, yeah. consider. Well, I mean, fully or like the relationship could be great and it's just not quite the right fit. Or there are times where we're just like, OK, unfortunately, like I don't know what happened, but I am no longer in love with this person. Like think. Everything is scary all the time now. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Pretty, I mean, especially in 2020. Oh, sure. So I, I think <laughs> like for a lot of people, it's developing the confidence to to be themselves. Um, so kind of what I, like a little bit of what I said earlier of like just growing the confidence to be able to say words, you know, and talk about sex with your therapist first and then getting the confidence to or confidence the the acceptance of yourself like these are the things that you know parsing out what you need and want these are the things that i need from the sexual relationship what are we going to do with that and like whether that comes in couples therapy or you do it on your own with your partner of i think you have to have that amount of confidence to to know like maybe i present this idea and it is okay for me to ask for it and it is also okay for my partner to not want it which I think is really mm-hmm. scary, the rejection of things as well. I, I think that's true. And um, I think that I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately too because I, I, have, I have two brothers and um, they're both single at the moment. And I, I've talked to them about dating and stuff and uh, they're both straight. My My brother has said that like the rejection just as a guy because you're so frequently considered the aggressor Mm. is just something that you like learn to get used to Uh, yeah and like and and you learn to shrug it off right like you it's that's not to say that he's you know getting rejected all the time um (laughs) he's not uh he's a very nice young man but but you know rejection happens to everybody um and so it's, it's this idea that you just – you get used to it and you learn not to take it personally. And so, you know, let's say – I mean, you have to figure – the way that I like to think about it, and I think it's kind of fun in the beginning of a relationship, I think that's a good time to, like, set a precedent yeah. um, in the beginning of a sexual relationship with somebody. Set a precedent of talking about it. And I kind of like talking about it in terms of, like, a stoplight. Like, what are what are the, the kinks that are an absolute green, like, let's try right. it tonight? What are the things that I want to try that like, you know, the you, you're you like an absolutely about, but your par- partner might be more of a yellow. Like uh, I'd be open to mm-hmm. it, but like I don't need to do it. And then what are your reds? What are your absolutely right. nots? And um, because I mean, as you said earlier, rela- uh, sex is like a huge part of relationships yeah. and you need to make sure that you are – if you know if it's just a sexual relationship, it's, if it's like a friends with benefits situation, then you know that's the most important part. Um, and you also have to get along as people. And then if you're in a relationship, there has to be there has to be chemistry on lots of different areas for a relationship to work. And you are gonna do yourself a huge favor if you start talking about your sexual compatibilities from the get go. Yeah, I agree. I mean, whether. It's funny because whether you are having sex in a relationship or not, sex is still an important thing to, to talk about, right? Like, even if yep. you are asexual or even if you have had a lot of trauma and we're, you know, we're not having sex in this relationship right now, mm-hmm. it still has to be talked about. So, like, whether we are actively having it or not, it is something that that kind of needs to be 
discussed. And I think that's like, that's the part where we have to like get past that shame of like, even if we're not having it or we're not ready to have it, we still have to be able to talk about it. I would say it's arguably more important if you're not having it. Yeah. And I think it's even harder if you're not right. having it to talk about it, but I think it's so important. Yeah. No, I fully, fully agree with that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, <laughs> I think it's hard for, for everyone. I mean, I, I think it is, continues to be hard. I mean, with, I mean, with shame in a general sense, like anything shame related is difficult, but yeah, asking for what you want. There are all these thoughts, especially for, you know, for not this confident person who, you know, is like, take me or leave me. We have these thoughts coming mm-hmm. up for us. It's like, do I even deserve this? Am I good enough for this? Yeah. Um, what if they what if they hate me? What if they think I'm a sicko? Like, there are so many doubts and things that come up when we start to even think about asking you know or 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 assert our needs um so it's like you know how do we get past those things and and that shame to be able to be like like sexually happy and healthy yeah because i mean ultimately sex orgasms release endorphins Mm -hmm. like uh, it's it feels good in the moment and it makes you feel good afterwards and I mean that's why when I am stressed the fuck out I just know that getting off is just going to help things immensely yeah. um, and I mean it's it's science so I mean also if you're ever you know I, I definitely have struggled sometimes with being like oh like you know I'll masturbate or something and I'll be like oh like, that was a waste of time like you know or uh I was like, I just like, I don't know, like, why did I do that? You know? Mm. Um, and there, there's some like built in shame there that, you know, I, I, I'm very confident around those things. There's still like this, like, oh, like, why did I, why did I do that? And I just kind of remind myself it's science, yo. Like (laughs) I'm making myself happier. Um, it is part, it is a part of my self-care routine. Yeah. I mean, I fully, I, yeah, I fully agree. Like if that is part of your self-care, like amazing do it and I would also say that yeah for a lot of people it takes time to work up to kind of being in that space of like this is part of what makes me feel good and I'm going to honor that Mm -hmm. Um, and I definitely want to talk I think we're going to be talking about that in the next few episodes talking about self-pleasure sure and I'll I'll say this but without giving like too much because I do clearly want to save things for other episodes (laughs) um but I am currently like putting together a workshop. It's called Sense8 Focus. So it's like an old, older, like 1960s uh, sex therapy technique, but it is so relevant and so amazing. And it starts with just not, not even like touching yourself sexually, just touching yourself to get yourself back Mm. in your body. Because for a lot of people, when they're stressed, like sex is not the thing they're thinking about. They're like, are you freaking kidding me? Don't (laughs) I mean, I'll say that I probably have seen this or maybe have done this myself of like, I'm so stressed out. And if my partner currently don't have one, but just saying that, um, if my partner goes to like touch my shoulder, I'm like, get, get off me. Like, do not touch me right mm-hmm. now. So it's looking like, you know, how do we get back in touch with ourselves when we don't feel good? Um, yeah. Or even just like, uh, you know, I, I like having like my, the, my like inner arm stroked. Mm-hmm, right. Like, it's like, what does that feel like? How does that make you feel? Um, so I, I love that. Um, I definitely want to talk about yeah. that. So it's self-intimacy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just so important. Right. Um, well, we're coming up on uh, almost an hour here. Do you have any last thoughts uh, that you want to share? You know, any? Well, I guess I'll say this as like a last thought. If you do have shame around sex, and this is something that's difficult, and even hearing about it is difficult, there's nothing wrong with you. (laughs) There is nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with you, and it is okay. And it is also okay to feel like, all right, I'm having this shame, and I would like to work on it. So don't, you know, because I find a lot of times when we have shame around something, we then feel ashamed that we have shame, and it's just this cycle. And I don't want yes. anyone to sit here and hear this and be like, oh my God, there's something wrong with me because I can't talk about sex. That is 
no, no, no. Like that is not at all what we want to do here. And there is nothing wrong with that. If anything, there is just something different about us and our brains that allows us to talk about it. So it's looking. Yeah. I mean, I can speak for myself. And again, I've been through so many years of therapy. (laughs) (laughs) So um, yeah, it's, I, I just want this uh, yes to everything yeah. you said. And, you know, this is just an encouraging place um, where if you do want to talk about it, then great. Right. And if you just want to listen, if that's a step on your journey towards healing from shame is to, you know, just start to listen to people talk about it a little more open, yeah. openly, you know, I, I think that's really important too. Then like, hey, we're here for you. Um, so I guess uh, – I guess I'll say that, you know, this is our first episode and I think probably the majority of people listening to it at this point are going to be people we know. (laughs) So thanks for supporting us, (laughs) guys. Um, But, uh, you know, know, smash that subscribe button is now what people say. (laughs) Uh, Like, subscribe, (laughs) review, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, You know, and uh, we're we're really excited. We've been talking about this for a while. um, So I'm glad we are doing it. And eventually I'm sure we'll have some sort of well, do we have some sort of thing you can reach out to and ask us questions about? I do. Um, <laughs> so I guess I'll end with saying, um, as of now, you can go to allportsopen.com. Um, that is the network that we are on. And I believe that you can email podcasts at allportsopen.com if you have any uh, questions that you want to send and they'll be filtered at some point, maybe in the next, uh, you know, few weeks i'll see if we can get a uh, email set up specifically but in the meantime um podcast at allportsopen.com awesome yay i didn't even know and now i know <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh for anna and myself rachel uh this has been wine dine and 69 episode one and um let's, let's keep talking